Hi. Hi. My name's Xavier. I'm Allison. And this is Housewives Theory. Welcome back, BB. Welcome back. We missed you. Long time. No talk. Oh my God. It's been a week, some might say. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are just joining us or those of you who are returning, a reminder that this is a fun geek out podcast where we talk about all of the weird things in these old housewife seasons that everybody has forgotten and some of the things that people still can't stop talking about. The way that I want you to picture this podcast is you being on the phone with Chase because you need to get a new debit card and they keep asking you, what is the answer to your security question? (laughs) And you're like, I don't remember. I made this bank account when I went to college. It's been a long time. Did this only happen to me? And you're on the phone. It's awkward. They're trying to get you through. And then you say to the Chase person who you've had good vibes with, be cool. Don't be all uncool. And they die laughing. And you realize, (laughs) I have friends everywhere. I am not limited to being in person. I can be friends with a Chase person. Those are our people. For us, Housewives Theory is not a guilty pleasure. Honey, it is one of your good Judys sending you crates of corn and peaches. Mm. Oh, that was so good. Mm. (laughs) One of the best scenes of all time. As most of y'all know, Alice and I are both television writers in Los Angeles. So for us, when we talk about Real Housewives and we talk about these women, we talk about them as if they are characters. They have arcs. They have wants. They have desires. They have needs. They have flaws. The pros. The cons. We mention it all. Today's episode is about Real Housewives of Atlanta season Three. This season aired from October 4th, 2010 to February 20th, 2011. I mean, another 2010, 2011 moment in time. It <laughs> felt like it. And we're still in SD, which is honestly my favorite. We're, I don't like high definition. I don't need to see pores. We're different. Famously, I think I've told you the story. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. But famously, one time I had a friend over who her TV is normally set to cinema mode. And we were watching my TV, which is normally like more vivid, I guess. It's intense. And, it's scary. And we were watching how housewives and she was like wow you do not let these women rest (laughs) i was like i want to see their pores oh my god no (laughs) i don't like it i want to feel like i'm in the year in the time and time back then was in standard definition there's no vaseline filter here repulse record season one um (laughs) so season three you know what's so funny is when i was preparing to watch this season i was like not looking forward to it because a lot of the times and i have introduced a lot of these cities to many of my friends you I introduced it to you yes like so many people and a lot of times when people get into like a housewives funk where they stop is Atlanta season three yes it's a slump for them I don't know why so I was going in thinking like oh no this is gonna be a slump of a season but I flew through and it was just so emotional I teared up so many times so many times that I was like what is is something wrong with me (laughs) like I was like what is am I okay what is happening so I was like pleasantly surprised that it was more watchable than I remembered I think that the reason I was one of the people that was like I don't even know if I want to keep going after season three even though we were introduced the world was introduced to Miss Phaedra but y'all should know we've said it before Phaedra is Allison's number one. No, my North Star. Which is, a, and she, Phaedra's absolutely in my top five, maybe my number two or three. I We love Phaedra and we are going to break down full tea, all tea every season as we go. Every single one. But she is the housewife to me. But even so, I think that the issue with this season 
was everyone could have had their own spinoff. It was too much story, too much stagnant story, not enough moving around, not enough interacting. Everyone was just not interested in screaming at each other. Everyone was not interested in creating storylines. It was all about them developing themselves as housewives and not developing the show or moving the season forward. It was very, very dry storyline-wise and rich character-wise. Okay, interesting. Okay, let's dive into the main stories, but first, want to do taglines? Oh, let's do taglines. Nini, when I walk into the room, I own it. Kim, people call me a gold digger, but they just want what I have. Sheree, I like things that are elegant and sophisticated, just like me. Candy, I have fame and fortune, and I've earned it. Phaedra, I'm the ultimate Southern Belle. I get what I want. Cynthia, I know how to work it and be seen. Finally, new Atlanta tagline. They deserved it. And we'll have these ones this season and next season, I believe. Yes. Which annoys me, but whatever. Annoying, um, but at least they're new. Favorite? I think you know. <laughs> it would be weird if it wasn't Phaedra. I'm the ultimate Southern Belle. I get what I want. It's just so good. And it like, told us who she was immediately. Agreed. I love that tagline. It, I, I really like it. I also like Kim's because it's so Kim. It's I always forget. I've said this before. This twang that she has in her voice that comes out sometimes. Yes. And I'm obsessed with it. Me I'm too. obsessed with the twang. And I feel like they just want what I have. Like yes. she has a little twang at the end of that. I'm like, okay, girl. Love it. What, between Kim and Phaedra's, who's was your number Phaedra. one? Phaedra. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a least fave? I would say um, it is Sheree's. <laughs> <laughs> Let me compliment myself in the tagline. <laughs> I mean, Cynthia did the same thing. I, was but... say, I think Cynthia's might be mine, but yeah, Sheree and Cynthia, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the season and the main stories, yes. the game. Ooh, for me, some of the standouts this season, and it's not even so much the game, because like you said, it was a lot of personal stories. So it was like Nini struggles with her family, particularly her son and her husband, which we'll get into, as well as Dwight. Like Nini just kind of going through it a little bit with yeah. a lot of different people. Everyone. Phaedra's pregnancy mm -hmm. and giving birth and her and Cynthia entering the group and how that shifts dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um Kim focusing on her recording career on a potential new song and that process and working with Candy and and some friction starting to arise in kind of that friendship. Um, and the other one that comes to mind is Cynthia getting, you know, engaged and planning her wedding. There's also Sheree and someone who calls himself the love doctor. We was that a storyline? It was. Let's oh. talk about Sheree. Let's get into Sheree. <laughs> the opening scene. Sheree seems... Like she's fighting with someone. Oh gosh. And we think, did we forget something about Atlanta season three? She's shouting. She's mad. And then we pan out and we realize she's holding a script and she is acting. Miss Sheree Whitfield is now an actress. I got to say, Bravo has really been giving it to us with these incredible openings, whether it be um, Teresa making, you know, with all of the tomatoes making sauce, or it be Nene and Dwight last season <laughs> dancing to that that song that oh, was like, yeah. she's like a Georgia peach. And I, why am I always singing on these dang shows? <laughs> um, and then they give us this for the opening. And I was oh like, well, we're in for it. <laughs> she's just... I was like, Sheree's too beautiful. Like, she looked gorgeous this season. Was that her only contribution? Yes. It was not I'm just a like, Sheree season. I'm just like, whatever happened to a proper season opening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got a belly laugh out of you right at the beginning. I mean, yeah. I, she just, she had so many good one-liners, but it but, was kind of enveloped in, like, such a... 
bad but, season. But for even her. this season, I feel like her one-liners were even less than last season. Like no. it felt like we were on the decline. It really does suck to have started out so strong, like Sheree, and to have redefined the franchises across the board with Who Gon' Check Me Boo to then go to the I mean, it's hard. It's hard. For me this season, you know, Sheree wasn't my favorite. I felt like she was really out of the mix like if Ali says that all of them were kind of on their own journeys Sheree was like even further than that on her own journey yeah um this season we're kind of seeing Sheree date again and look for love we see her go on this blind date I believe with this man named Tai and he takes her to this part of town I think that she isn't he's in a car for her which was gentlemanly and then she's (laughs) her words not mine uh and then she's (laughs) escorted to this part of town that I got the impression that she wasn't used to going to and she gets to this like um strip mall strip (laughs) she gets to the strip mall and the driver lets her out and she is looking real disappointed and she's like is this a joke she's like Oh my gosh, I could have worn my tennis shoes. But then she goes on this date with this man and he's very personable and he's very charismatic and she's a little smitten. Like he takes her dancing and Sheree's, as she says, is a white woman trapped in a black woman's body. We'll pray for her. <laughs> um, she has no rhythm, all that to say. And But to see her on the dance floor, like trying this new thing, I, I was a little smitten. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing her kind of talk to this guy throughout the season. And I must say, narratively, this setup was incredible. This is a setup that I have used on you know or I have been a part of using on shows that I have worked on like narratively and we are about eight episodes deep Sheree has been seeing this man (laughs) and she is hosting this event where Tai is going to meet some of the other women for the first time and everything is great and everyone is smoozing and Nini arrives and she sees Tai and he's about to introduce himself and she turns her head to the side and you can tell that she recognizes him. And she says, the moment I walked in and looked at him, I recognized him and not in a good way. And then eventually she puts together who he is. And suddenly there are whispers throughout the entire group of other people also knowing who he is. And he's this man. And okay. So leading up to this point, he, Sheree was under the impression that he was some sort of psychologist or psychiatrist, a doctor. Yes. And doctor, doctor. What Nini, Nini kind of lifts the veil and that there was this big scandal that went around a couple years ago of people figuring out that he wasn't actually a doctor. (laughs) He was known as the love doctor. And when he starts getting questioned, he starts sweating like he is in a sauna and Everyone's like, are you a doctor? Are you not? Where did you go to school? I'm just trying to figure it out. I mean, also, we got a fun little cameo from Lisa last season. Yes. Oh, it was so nice to see her. I was like, come back. But uh, everyone was putting him under a microscope. And it was just like, this man was not going to get out without losing his reputation. Even Miss Joyce joined in. My favorite thing. <laughs> Did you go to the school or online? And he did go to school online. And look, no shade to online students whatsoever. Because, of course, this was 2011. There wasn't as much legitimacy. But it was so, like, it was so- such a drag when she said that did he go to the school or online and then everyone's like oh he did it online he did it online and that was like oh that means he's not a real doctor and this leads to a confrontation between him and Sheree where she's basically like what's the tea like <laughs> I need the truth I want to see your credentials like and and he wasn't he had a slip of paper but he didn't show her what it was yeah and it, it's not a great confrontation and it just feels a little shady and they eventually part ways and for Sheree as a character I actually felt a little bad like 
you know, say what you want about Sheree, love her or hate her, the notion of her finding love and being happy, like I was interested in that, you know, getting her happy, everyone deserves the pursuit of happiness, and then to see the rug get pulled out from under her did feel, I was a little like, oh, that's tough. So here's where I become the villain of this show, because here I, <laughs> you're like, you've been the villain. Um. One of the reasons I did not want to continue with Atlanta season three is because of this storyline in Sheree. I did not feel bad for her. I didn't think Taiyi was cute or nice. I didn't like that storyline. And if this podcast, Housewives Theory, was a test, I cheated because I skipped two of the scenes. I literally could not take it. I pressed fast forward. I feel disrespected, but okay. I never do that. I never do that. And I Allegedly, just I can't believe a thing you it. say. Is I your would... name Alison Salahi? Who knows? <laughs> Rude. Also... Wow. Um, is my name? That's actually she, has a nice ring to it. She shook. <laughs> Do I want to inherit a defunct winery? <laughs> Am I? Uh, but no, I uh, couldn't stand the season. I was like, she didn't really even have any feelings with this. I think that Sheree so desperately needed some type of storyline. The women didn't really care about her anymore. She had no business. The actress thing wasn't a thing. There was only one funny scene later on where Sheree goes on to be in some like actor audition and the person who's leading the audition really grills Sheree and kind of is mean to her. She really just like goes in on her like, if you're not here and you're not here to be serious, then why did you even show up? And it was clearly all for the cameras. And that's what this was to me. This was Sheree's season for the cameras. She overstayed her welcome. It was bad for me all around. And even, you know, part of, like like you were saying, the women paying her dust a little bit, even when she did the charity yeah, and the charity dance, and she it basically has to reach X amount for this charity, yeah. and she buys a table, and the women come to donate money, and they go to donate, and Nini's like, $20. <gasps> like, And Candy's like, shouldn't I donate? I can donate more. And Nini's like, nope, $20. I was just like, oh, dang. That was so cheap. Would Sheree have done that to the other women? Who's to say? Uh, she would have forgotten her checkbook. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. For charity, I, you know. For charity, who knows? But I was like, y'all wrong for that, though. Yeah, that was. <laughs> and on camera, I was like, I would be so ashamed of myself. Because you know that's going directly to a charity. It's not like we were at her house, and she was like, put something in the bucket, like at church in the offering basket. She literally was like, this is a charity event. How could you not do this? And she had to like pay for their table. It was just... It was bad. She did have some good lines, especially when it came to Nini, because you know that there is no Sheree and Nini without some Sheree shade. So, you know, we'll get into this later, but Miss Nini um, did have some plastic surgery and part of it was on her nose. And, you know, Sheree's being a little Miss Shady and she goes, who am I to come between a girl and her nose? What a line. That is what such a, a good line. <laughs> that line is so good. I mean... She was throwing that shade, too, with that surgery because she was like, if I had gotten plastic surgery, because, you know, like we said, Nini's having a hard time this season. And she's like, if I had gotten plastic surgery every time I had marital problems, I'd look like Dwight. <laughs> and I was like, damn. They hated Dwight this season. Oh, it was rough. I oh. think we got to Let's talk about Nini. Nini. Yes. Oh, okay. Let's talk about Nini. Oh, boy. What a season for her. So with Nini, she was going through a lot this season. We start off the season finding out that her and Greg are in a horrible place. Their marriage is on the rocks. She's having issues with her oldest son, Bryce. She is in a good place with Kim, which was interesting and They're, kind of refreshing. Their dynamic. It's exhausting. I, I, and it just makes for not great television, but we'll get into oh, that. We get into that. Um, and also, Nini is going through a period of time where she clearly is like, it's time for it to be about me. She wants to have plastic surgery she wants to invest in herself and her career in the media and she's unapologetic about it which 
I loved. But yeah, she's also had this falling out with her close friend Dwight, who we used to love. And this season, we're like, who is Dwight? Yeah, there were a lot of questions. So at the top of the season, you know, Kim and Nini are having their first sit down since last season, and they're they're in a good place. And at the sit down, Kim tells Nini that Dwight was talking about her her situation, and what she was saying is apparently all alleged. Dwight all told, alleged. Dwight told Kim that he lent Greg ten thousand dollars, which was news to Nini. Yeah, and this kind of sends us on a path. And, you know, Nini up until this point had been in a good place with Dwight. They were really close. So this felt like, and she'd already been on the rocks with Greg. So to her, this felt like such a betrayal. Yeah. And at the end of the premiere, there's an event that I believe Sheree is hosting. Yeah. Um, and Nini comes face to face with Dwight for the first time. And when I Ooh. think of... <laughs> that, that I, it stuck in my head. When I think of back on the show in the early seasons, I think of this scene. Me too. Because it... I will say it frustrates me a bit, but I understand the emotions at play. But basically, Nini has confronted Greg about this, and he said it was only it was a small investment, $500. So Nini goes to this party with a $500 check for Dwight, and she's about to give him the business. And what bothers me is this is a thing that Nini does. We've heard about it with Kim and whatnot. Is she will get all up in someone else's business physical and face. Space, physical yes. space. And what makes it tough this is my opinion, is it's hard when it's someone like Dwight, because he, he, what's Dwight going to do? No. Like, if he were to lay a hand on her or even, like, push her away, like, that, like you're not going to do that as someone who is male-bodied because you don't do that. Yeah. So, like, her getting all up into space, I felt a little bad for him because, like, she was just so angry that nothing, and she would admit this, nothing productive was going to come out of that conversation, but she did give him that check, honey, and did he rip it up and throw it? I was like, oh no, the girls are fighting. Like, it was like, it is a mess. What did you think about that? I think that it all came from a place of sadness. And hurt, like, because they were true friends, you could totally tell that. The fact that, so Nini does this a lot, where she gets in people's faces, she shouts, she yells, it's pretty much always hilarious, but... In these early seasons, I feel like it's less of her taking up space being like, I'm the star of the show. Everyone look at me because she is a powerhouse redefining the franchises. In these early seasons, she does it when she feels sadness and betrayal. And you can tell when that $10,000 thing happened. Number one, she was embarrassed because it was a money thing and Greg's businesses have not been doing well and it's Atlanta is a small town. Everyone knew that. And number two, Dwight was supposed to be her friend even if the $10,000 thing was real. And she he had said $500. It does not matter. I would feel the same way as Nini. Oh my gosh. If someone Obsessed. was talking about me and we, you know, shared so many good times, we were supposed to be the best of friends. The fact that they would turn on you like that, and I'm sure she was feeling that from Greg. She was getting more famous, so I'm sure she was losing friends left and right or getting fake friends left and right. I think that she was looking for something to get her anger out on, and Dwight was the perfect person Dwight for that. Dwight was there, yeah. honey. And it doesn't stop there, though. Like, she and Dwight have an arc this season. Yeah. And in the next episode, like, so this is still the first chunk of the season, she and Dwight have another face-to-face. They're at an event, and she asks to talk to Dwight, and at first he's, like, not having it because he was like, I don't deal with confrontation. But poor little Dwight's not built for it. And Nini was like, no, listen, like, I just want to talk and whatnot. And in that scene... I I teared up during that scene because it just felt so real, like Nini's sense of betrayal and her being like, her saying to him, like, you really hurt my feelings. To say that to someone that you care about is a big thing. And it, it feels especially big for Nini to say it to yeah. me because she's such, she's this personality that like nothing ruffles her feet. You know what I mean? Very vulnerable. So for her to be that vulnerable, I, I was just rooting for them, you know? Right. Speaking of rooting for them, Nini and Greg... 
Yeah. That was really sad. I look, Greg, much like Nini, goes through three different phases for me as well. Really two. And this version of Greg, I understand why Nini was so frustrated with him. Absolutely. He just wouldn't engage with her. I feel like Nini was also feeling there's a shift in their family. She was feeling the sense of like, she is now the breadwinner. You know, she is doing all of this work. And I think she was working her butt off with this show and appearances and all of that. And we know in the next few years, she's going to be doing even more of that. And I feel like there was just this disconnect between them. And there's a moment this season where, oh my goodness, I get like... (laughs) Where Greg basically is heard over the radio. I don't even think he know he knew he was on the radio. Candy and Lawrence were talking about this, and they think that which this is so foul, but alleged this person got Greg on the phone and yes. and had him on speaker so that he could be heard over the radio. And Greg was talking about very personal things and about how he has shelled out three hundred thousand dollars in cash out of his own money to make sure that Nini popped off in Georgia. So now. Everyone in Atlanta is who's listening to this is hearing about this. And of course, the headlines like the blogs are picking it up. And Nini is once again blindsided. And she confronts Greg and she's like, I am your wife mm-hmm. and you would do this. To, like yeah. it was such a betrayal and something after this confrontation that was iconic. Oh I don't. God. Did you notice this is at the end of their fight? They're not in a good place. Greg is sleeping in the basement. Yes. It's not good. The camera shot oh. is of the hallway. And you see Greg walking down the stairs and Nini walking up the stairs at Emmy. the same time. It was brilliant. It was so the, good. I was like, camera crew, oh, y'all were in your bag. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, that whole confrontation, you know, she basically says to Greg, I was with you before you had money when you did not have a dollar. And even if you did have money, like you said, she was like, I am your wife. What I loved was the way she buttoned that conversation, that confrontation, some might say, with... I have never done you wrong, ever. And you can kind of see I'm not in their marriage, but the way that she said that, it was loaded. She could have said things about him, but she did not want to bring sadness to her kids or more drama to her kids. So she's facing betrayal from Greg. She's facing betrayal from Dwight. And she's also probably getting it from Kim right before the season started. They're good now, but... She's in such a vulnerable position this season. We have to talk about Bryson. Yeah. So Nini... And this is actually a really important moment to me as a viewer watching this show. Because as y'all know, last season of Atlanta, I was talking about how Nini was kind of the villain for me because she felt so heavy and I was having trouble rooting for her. And this season, in the second episode, she has the scene with Bryson. And Bryson is basically been on a bad path. He got arrested. He's just, he isn't living at home. Like Nini is trying to mother him and she's having the sit down with Bryson and she's talking to him and she has this little monologue and she says, and I have to put you out because you are not listening to what I'm trying to tell you. And I'm having to cry and not sleep at night because I don't know where my child is at. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You don't understand because you don't have a child. I'm telling you, I want the best for you. And she's crying. And I, Allison, as a viewer yes. needed that scene. Yes. I needed it because she let me in. She and because at first starting the season, I was like, oh Lord. Here we go. I was like, another season of Nini feeling heavy and yes. just not. But that scene allowed me to be on the ride with her. And it's really interesting because 
it's such a gift for a housewife to let us in like that because a lot of housewives don't. Look at Luann. We knew nothing about what was happening in her marriage yeah. when it was happening. Later, similar thing happens to Ramona. Look at Shannon and what's happened in <laughs> recent years, like not knowing about her relationship. Look at Robin. Notice of those four, only one gets crucified, but it's fine. I get it, but also you are such a stan. As long as I'm heard. As long as I'm heard. <laughs> um, but her letting me in allowed me to be game for her the rest of the season. I agree with that. And I think that especially when it comes to parent and child relations in newer seasons, it feels very engineered. Like we have to do this in front of the camera because the press is going to talk about it. That was from a place of sadness and terror that he was going to go down the wrong road. And I think that we started the season with Nini basically telling anyone who would listen, me and Greg aren't doing well. I think I'm going to divorce Greg. She wanted someone to say, I want you to divorce Greg. Greg is a bad guy. You're doing the right thing. And I was like, I don't want to be on this ride with Nini. But when I think about all the things that was going on in this in her life and that scene, which is, was at the top of the season, I totally agree with you. It changed the way I saw her this season. And I really enjoyed Nini this season. Yeah, And I also really liked even though it was painful, the dinner with Cynthia and Peter. I didn't realize how like quickly Cynthia and Nini connected and became friends. Me too. Like, And I pre- I appreciate when there are real friendships on the show. We'll see that with Nini and Cynthia. We'll see that with Phaedra and Candy. And I think it makes the show better and richer. But like, let's discuss it, honey. So Cynthia, we will get to her. She's a new housewife, but she is coming over with her, uh, at the time, fiance, Peter. And Nini is... At a point with Greg where she just wants to talk to him and she wants to fight with him, but Greg seems to have no fight left in him. Cynthia and Peter come over. Cynthia is the ultimate, I will smooth things over. I will make everything okay. I'll make it about me. I'll make a joke about myself, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So you can tell that Nini is happy that this new housewife, who, like you said, has a real friendship with her, is coming over. Even when she walks in, one of my favorite small moments of the season, she said, we are very excited to have you. I cannot wait to laugh, child. And I was like, you could just feel it in her voice voice like I need happiness in this house things have been bad she Cynthia and Peter walk in Greg is immediately on the defense there is a conversation with Cynthia Nini where Cynthia is like are you sure about Greg talking all this stuff about Greg Greg is not a good guy Greg is this he's looking good she's complimenting him talking about you know reconsider this Greg hears this and immediately goes on the defensive and is like don't talk about me blah 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 Mm. they get into this big fight Peter and Greg go downstairs then Cynthia and Nini go downstairs and Nini has had a few drinks at this point or maybe he was just angry and she's like let's go look at Greg's apartment Greg's apartment and we find out Greg has been sleeping in the basement in this like basement bedroom setup and we're like oh things are really bad Mm -hmm. and It was just really hard to watch. Nini also this season had plastic surgery. She had her breasts lifted and reduced or something. She also had her nose, I think she said like taken in. I don't remember the phrase. Her nostrils, yeah. Her nostrils taken in, yeah. And a couple of, oh, and some lipo. That doctor appointment was so funny. I'm like, I wish every plastic surgery appointment was this (laughs) hilarious. She was just like, while you're in there, I'll let you know before I get on the operating table if I want you to do anything else. That's not how this works. Yeah, so funny funny but I like that she was open about it and I like that she was still at this point proud of her nose and she wasn't taking shit from anybody it was she clear looks great. I think she looked great she too. looked great before but she looks you know Agreed. whatever makes you happy honestly exactly and you could tell it made her happy and that really is the big thing you know but um even when she was high I mean I thought this was really interesting in Nini's high state in her hospital bed she wanted to call Kim she wanted to call Sheree 
And she was asking for Greg, despite everything that was happening. Again, another vulnerable Nini moment that I really needed. She was really vulnerable this season. She I was. thought you were going to say, ooh, don't hurt Michael Jackson now. <laughs> I have that written down. <laughs> that was so funny. And I love, even Classic. in her, literally, even in her surgery haze on painkillers, she was a producer. She was so funny. She gave us more than Sheree did when she was on drugs recovering from surgery. So funny. Absolutely. Something that wasn't funny as someone who is a huge fan of Miss Phaedra Parks was Nini picking on the new housewife. I was shook by this. And this is going to transition us to Phaedra. Let's talk about Phaedra. Phaedra. Okay, so Nini and Phaedra, the thing that I was shook by was how shady Nini was towards her. Mm. And at first I was like, oh, this could be a symptom of editing. But then no. nothing really happens. Well, you know, it could be though. Like, because a lot of the shade was happening in the talking heads, which sometimes are That's filmed. That's true. It wasn't in, you're yes, right, you're which right. sometimes yeah. are filmed like after obviously the main events because they're talking about, they're getting their interviews. So I was like, okay, maybe something happens I don't remember later in the season. And this is, you know, editing. But nothing really happened later in the season. So Phaedra came onto this cast and Nini was like, you know who I don't like? Her. And I'm a talk about her. <laughs> Bobby Brown, that was so 10 years ago. Or when I, like, you know, she just had it out for Phaedra in a way that I was like, Okay, interesting. We shouldn't be shocked because of the way that Nini treated Candy her first season. There is a jealousy. Some of Victoria Gunvalson clause. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so true. It is a Victoria. It is like an OG housewife clause, we can say, but it is pretty much exclusive like to Nini and Victoria well, I mean, Up Gunvalson. to this point, and what up we to this watched, point, it's, yes. very, it's a, a Vicky trademark, I feel. Very much, where it's like, uh, it is baptism by fire with these housewives, but the difference between Candy and Phaedra is... Candy did not grow up in the same neighborhood as Nini. And Nini and Phaedra had a lot of people in common. And Phaedra had a very different life than Nini and is very proud of the life that she leads. And that really irked Nini. Really anyone with a lot of confidence irks Nini. And I think also if you're Nini, you're on the show, you've kind of become the star of the show. You're making a name for yourself. And then someone from who knows who you used to be comes back into your life. It, I think she felt threatened. Yes, very, very threatened. And also when you know someone has it, at that point Nini was probably the number one housewife across the franchises in terms of like fan favorite or most quoted. I'm sure when she was around Phaedra, she knew that Phaedra had it in terms of being an iconic housewife. Of course she's threatened. Candy eventually wasn't a threat in terms of like them being similar housewives. I think that Phaedra was a threat. Because Phaedra did have it. <laughs> Phaedra coming onto the scene was just some, like that wife who can juxtapose what the norm is of the cast always, well not always, oftentimes is a standout. So Tamara in a lot of ways was this when she came onto the cast. Yeah. Um, Phaedra is this when she comes onto the cast. In later seasons, Heather Dubrow is this. One could argue that Brandy Glanville is this. <laughs> Those people who go against the grain in one way or another, whether it be their class or lack thereof, for some people who I just mentioned. Um, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm not going to say that. She will come for my ass. Um, but Phaedra just brought something so fresh and so fun, and I loved the shtick. Also, not me for kind of forgetting. I knew this, but I was like, oh, Phaedra really do be lying from the jump. Oh, my <laughs> Okay, let's Phaedra talk about we need to introduce Phaedra. Jump. If Take you if you need to be introduced to Phaedra, then it's gonna be really difficult for us to be here. friends. No, yes. <laughs> but Miss Phaedra Parks is an attorney from Athens, Georgia. She has done everything. She knows everyone. She introduces herself in many different ways. As Cynthia Bailey says, she is her biggest cheerleader. <laughs> but she starts off by saying, if they're not talking about you, you're not relevant. And she's right because everybody seems to be talking about Miss Phaedra Parks. I mean, she introduces herself by saying, 
I'm well known on the Atlanta social scene. I'm fabulous, I'm fierce, and I'm beautiful, and I know I can have it all. And please note, while she says this, there's a photo montage of her with pictures of Ludacris, Fergie, and President Bill Clinton. And we're like, who is this person that is dropped in from Mars Maybe on she planet can Earth? Have it all. She can. I mean, literally. It's great, and uh, she just has these one-liners that you can tell. She is the ultimate Southern belle. Mm -hmm. When I think about the Southern women in my life, the people that I love, the characters on TV that I saw, this is who this is like the best of every Southern woman. I love her so much, and I'm just so glad she's on the show. And the thing that makes Phaedra such an iconic character is because she is all of that. She is the Southern belle who is married to a man who just got out of prison. That she apparently grew up with? That alleged. was alleged. <laughs> so um, this is also one of the things that Nina decided to glom on to. But uh, Phaedra has very Nini quick. and all the women, to Nini and all the women were obsessed with her husband, who is really hot, this, Apollo. This, Sorry. Keep so Yes, Apollo is very attractive. Yes. So one of Nini, one of the times she sh shaded Phaedra that I did LOL was at the Mother's Day brunch. And Apollo <laughs> is there at one point and Nini goes, Phaedra and her ex-con husband. Oh, great. That's how I wanted to spend my Mother's Day. Hilarious. So funny. <laughs> it's also annoying, though, because Nini was so judgmental of Phaedra through the lens of her husband being a convicted felon. Her son just got arrested for visiting a friend in jail with marijuana in his pocket. While he was getting pat down to go visit his friend in jail, there were, it's like nobody said anything about Nini's son because clearly he's going through something. Nobody's going to make fun of the kids, but it's like you were going to continuously go over someone who was in jail, served his time. I don't remember what Apollo did. Racketeering, honey. Racketeering, honey, yes. Oh, he is just like Martha Stewart, <laughs> as Phaedra continues to remind us. But it was annoying to me. I mean, every time she mentioned Projecting. Phaedra, every time she mentioned Phaedra, she was talking about him being an ex-con. She said, honey, I don't know Phaedra that well, but what I've seen of Phaedra, I am not buying into her holier-than-thou act. What I do know is that she's an attorney here in town, and she's married to an ex-con, and I'm just telling you like it is. These are my eyes, and if you don't like them, you can pluck them out and give me two more. How about that? To which Phaedra would say, every saint's got a past, every sinner's got a future. <laughs> her go-to, I mean, it really is like two Goliaths this season it's scary how quickly she was such a good housewife and something i also realized with the whole apollo situation so something to note too is that both of phaedra's parents are pastors yes um you know we see a lot of her mom pastor regina oh, and so we we begin to understand throughout the season that Phaedra got married and was likely pregnant by the time she got married. And we learned that both, she comes from a very religious family yes. and that's probably why she got married. And something I didn't realize is in watching Phaedra and Apollo at a certain point, I was like, oh, they both were forced into this marriage and they're just yes. trying to make it work, which isn't a layer I remember having in the watch. So I'm curious to continue watching their journey with that in mind. I agree completely because I had for some reason romanticized, I romanticize everything about Phaedra until I can't until and we'll we, get until there. Until we cannot. Uh, but I'm going to take the time I have until yes, we have to talk about that. let us have this. Let us have our Phaedra golden years. We still got a good four seasons. Yes, <laughs> but I always imagined her and Apollo having like a romantic honeymoon period and they were so happy to be parents or whatever. Nope. There was no honeymoon period. There was a lot of tension right from the jump because Miss Phaedra 
has her place in society. She knows everybody. She is a woman of the church. She is a woman of the law firm. And she needs Apollo, again, fresh out of prison. There's no judgment to people who just came out of prison. But he probably wants to live his life the way he wants to live it. He's been in prison for six years. But she expect him, expects him to just fall in line with her life to act like how she acts to eat the food that she wants to eat. Apollo, us- you know, <laughs> growing up in a white household, he likes canned food and packed meats. I was like, Phaedra! She is who she she is who she is. Sometimes problematic. Like, and when they're talking about how they're going to raise their son, she's like, "If he looks at me wrong, I'm gonna beat the hell out of him." And Apollo's like, "We will not." Look, I think that I did not come from the let's say strictly Phaedra upbringing. I did come from a religious household. There was a lot of if you look at me sideways, it's over for you. Listen, we both got a, a dose of Phaedra. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> we do not condone violence on this podcast, our, but it was character was building. Like, a dose of Phaedra in our families, not necessarily us, but like in yeah, our in our families and our upbringings. Yeah, but it just cracked me up because it's like she, on the one hand, was that way, just very like I'm old school. And then on the other hand, she'd be like, my love language is receiving gifts and expecting these tens of thousands of dollars worth of like designer bags jewelry mm-hmm. whatever and it's like everybody knows you're just paying for those because yeah. apollo doesn't just have money in his bank you know as it's made pretty clear eventually but it was just insane but also part of what makes phaedra iconic too in all of that is like she is this like ultimate southern belle but also <laughs> she like knows all the strippers in town like yes. she represents people who do adult films like she has this naughty side to naughty. her which makes her and candy fast friends oh my gosh because both of them they're women who are about their business and their family. They both have that in common, but they also will get down. And you always want to wait for that side because you know it's not for the cameras. They're a little freaky and they're a little naughty. Exactly. They are both so sexually open because even Phaedra's for like in ways sexually open on the show yeah. too. And seeing the genesis, I feel like of Candy and Phaedra's friendship oh, at the Mother's yes. Day brunch, oh which we have to talk about. Mother's Day brunch, kick but us see, off. But seeing them, Candy and Phaedra, talk about like little tricks and things that you can do to spice up your love life. And at one point <laughs> they look at each other, her belly out to here, look at each other, <laughs> giggle and high five. And I was like, wow, because I have to be honest with y'all. I have to be honest from the jump. I'm only hurting my own feelings later, (laughs) but Phaedra, and you know this, Allie, Phaedra and Candy are one of my, if not my number one, certainly top three friendships across all cities. Agree. I, I'm still devastated to this day, but yes, I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Yes. I love their dynamic and I love that they were real friends outside of the show and you could feel that. We're alluding to the fact that eventually Candy and Phaedra are not friends anymore. I wasn't going to say all that, but y'all know. Yeah. The people who know, know, but we're just savoring these early seasons. Let's talk about Mother's Day. Let's talk about Mother's Day brunch. One of the most, I would argue, iconic, not even one of the most iconic Atlanta moments, one of the most iconic real housewives moments of all time to this day is Phaedra at this Mother's Day brunch (laughs) lying about her due date. Sheree innocently asked Phaedra <laughs> so innocently Sheree was not in the wrong in this at all asked Phaedra so when are you when's your due date Phaedra goes as she's eating her food honey it was July but this baby getting ready to come up out of here and then Sheree Mama Joyce and Nini because all everyone's there except for Kim um are not buying what she's selling Mama Joyce is like but isn't it dangerous to have a baby at six or seven months? And Phaedra's like, not if everything's fully formed and his <laughs> lungs are functioning. And Nini's like, I ain't never heard of a doctor that would do that. Phaedra's like, oh, they're going to do it at 34 weeks. So 34 weeks is going to come. And then we go to Nini's confessional where she's like, shut up. Yes. That is so stupid. <laughs> 
honestly, in that moment, five episodes into your freshman season, an icon was born. Oh my! And the fact that it does not matter what these women say, you will never hear coming out of Phaedra Park's mouth. I had premarital sex and got knocked up and got married very quickly so that I could have this baby in holy matrimony. She is going to. Till she gets to the delivery room, say, this baby's coming three months early. And when she gets to the delivery room and she's there with her doctor and Candy comes to visit and her doctor's like, yeah, she's 40 weeks full term. Phaedra's face, she's like, oh. <laughs> and she's you playing t- the game. And her mom knows because at the end of the day, of course, her parents are going to be disappointed, but they're married at this point. What are you going to do? But I think it's just that you just keep up with the lie. And when you can't keep up with the lie, you turn it on the ladies. Like she said, the ladies are grilling me about my due date. And I'm like, why do you care? care but i understand that no one has a job except for me so i guess that they have to do something to fill up their time incredible she will always turn it back on the ladies but phaedra and her due date are a topic of discussion throughout the season like even at that very brunch phaedra's talking to them and she's like y'all gotta give me advice because i don't know nothing about no babies and (laughs) nini's like you should keep him in until he's ready to come out (laughs) and all of this gets back to kim who wasn't at the brunch and kim who is I often forget a nurse <laughs> is not buying. None of them are, but Kim especially is not buying what Phaedra is selling. <laughs> she's like, Phaedra's saying that she is five or six months and her belly's out to here. She's like, bitch, what are you having? A school bus? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so one thing that happens to fuel the fire between Phaedra and Kim is they're at an event. Phaedra isn't there. She is just given birth. And they're talking about Phaedra, though, of course, because she is the name on everybody's lips, honey. <laughs> and Cynthia and Kim are expressing that it's weird that, like, like, what is going on with this due date? It's not real, blah, 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 to Dwight. And Dwight's like, all I know, she's having a healthy baby. He is just, like, floating around this party, honey. Lip service. And Kim says something to the effect of, what is she having, an alien baby? And this gets back to Phaedra. She's just given birth. She's recovering at home. She had a C-section. She wasn't. She didn't have him naturally. It was a more stressful process than she even imagined. And she's recovering. And here's word that Cynthia and Kim said this. And she eventually confronts Cynthia. And Cynthia's like, I don't know where your sources came from, but I did not say that. And, you know, Phaedra, you know, Phaedra be paying people dust. Uh, so, but this sets Kim and Phaedra off on a trajectory of animosity. So Phaedra at one point famously says, just because you strip in a nurse's outfit does not make you a nurse. And she, because <laughs> Kim's like, I'm a nurse. I'm not buying this. And Phaedra says, I'd like to see those credentials, which Kim does provide. I'll give her credit yeah, for she that. Does. I appreciated that. Tyee cannot but... relate. But, <laughs> um, but it, it just set Kim and Phaedra off on a path. They eventually get to a better place by the end of the season, but it was GC Wells happening because, you know, both of them, Kim will read if she needs to. Yes. So they were having a confrontation and I think this is when Phaedra said, I want to see your credentials or something to that. And Phaedra's like, I don't get into your business. I don't talk about uh, Big Papa being in foreclosure or whatever. And Kim says, I don't talk about your husband being a convict. And I was just like, oh, they're both here to play. Mm-mm. But it was so good. It was. I could watch them spar for days. And there was a smile on Phaedra's face because she said, I wish you would keep continuing. Because you know she was like, I can take this woman out if I try. Oh, for without trying. She kind of did already. But then we go to her confessional, which yes. I love. And she goes, Miss Kim seems to be backing down because she knew I was a courageous. Crazy black woman. <laughs> oh my God, she's uh, good. Even her baby shower, which if another housewife did this, I would be like, this is so dumb. I can't believe this, whatever. She had the most insane baby shower that really looked like a wedding. Um, where Me Dwight, and I have a baby shower. Yeah, you know, honestly, I- <laughs> actually, yes. Um, even with the lavender, you totally would. That it's is giving, so you. It's giving Bougetto. It is. It's- <laughs> 
<laughs> she has this famous baby shower thrown by Dwight, who is basically Phaedra's plus one the entire season now that Nene and Dwight Which are Which I through. was delighted by, actually. Me too, because I think that Dwight needed to be in that like upper echelon of society, Southern Belle space, and they would spar with each other, you know? But I love that moment during the baby shower. Where someone's like, where is Dwight? And someone's like, he's getting his makeup done. We flash to Dwight getting a full face of makeup, wearing a tiara and saying, I can feel the excitement in the air. I feel as though this is my big day as well. I just hit my Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. When, where's the movie of this? Where's it's the so scripted good. film of and this? And we also get some more Phaedra Kim shade at oh, the baby yes. shower too when Phaedra's like, I can't believe Kim is showing up late. That's just plain rude. And a wig does not count as a hat, honey. <laughs> Because Kim did not abide by the hat rule. No. And of course, she sh- yeah, she showed up late. She wasn't wearing the right thing. She was criticizing immediately. This is kind of when Kim starts to check out of the show, you know, a little bit. But we thankfully had Candy giving us, like you said earlier, our Bougetto reference that really follows us for a long time. She comments on Phaedra's outfit and her makeup, which I personally loved. But it was like a light eyeshadow, a thick eyeliner, and a few rhinestones stones on top of the eyeliner so she had some heavy glamorous eyelids touched by an angel honey and touched by an angel some might say and then candy goes it was a little bougetto bougie and ghetto at the same time incredible so good i think it's time to talk about miss candy burris let's do it honey one of my childhood crushes showed up in her storylines oh lord do you know who it is so sick of love <laughs> i love neo I was 13 again. I was like, he's so cute. And it's so cool that he's producing her album. And it just goes to show you from the top of the season, Candy is so legit. She's just so cool. She's such a good singer. She's great. I just, I loved her. That being said, she didn't have a huge storyline. She really didn't. It was, you know, but to be fair, coming off the heels of such a big loss, you know, with AJ, I'm sure she needed a a minute to recalibrate. Yeah. So we saw that. And I thought it was interesting coming into the season that she was like living her celibate life. Yes. Like celibate candy. Candy 2.0 question mark. Yeah, it was unusual for her it was a choice yes but you know she wanted to see if she could do it i appreciate the juxtaposition of who candy is with like a celibate candy like that's funny she said this on candy coated nights let it be known that i pointed and Allie didn't i was uh just pretending like i was on candy coated nights right now i'm sorry i was lost in the sauce um (laughs) not the the way that coated honey (laughs) the way that that freaking candy coated nights is encoded in my brain did what it needed to do it is a literally earworm can't get out of my head when i hear it when she said it i forgot all about it frankly though recently she's talked about starting it up again you know in these years but i forgot it was one of her early passion projects and it honestly is one of those things that made me love candy so much because she starts the season being like i am going to grow my empire i have candy coated nights where i'm going to be honest and talk about being celibate i'm going to launch my music career as a solo artist doing a different type of sound than she normally does and she's also going to use the power she has in the industry to spotlight artists like our very own miss lawrence oh i loved that who knew miss lawrence had such a good voice yeah i love miss lawrence i always enjoy when they're on my screen they're just such a gem. I really enjoyed their friendship, particularly with Sheree this season. Agree. I love seeing the bits of that and them working with Candy. 
I agree. I loved the charade stuff. To me, charade doesn't seem like the kind of person who would be supportive of her support staff like doing this. She was, at least on camera, so kind and so supportive and excited for Miss Lawrence. And I also loved the song that Candy wrote for Miss Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I'm not your closet freak. Mm, mm, uh, uh, mm, uh, uh, mm, I'm like downloading it on my Spotify. It's so good. <laughs> And Miss Lawrence really owned it. I loved it. It was great. It was such a fun thing to see. One thing I thought you were going to say, and this was kind of a, a shady candy moment, was in regards to Candy Co. Tonight, not Miss Thing, getting Kim up on her show <laughs> just to, for the topic to be cheating. I was like, oh, Candy mad. And she isn't like, and there were little bits of that throughout the season with Candy and Kim where you could tell Candy was frustrated with their friendship and kind of how things went with Tardy for the Party, which Candy assumed that she and Kim would split the profits of Tardy for the Party only to be met with resistance from Kim's lawyer. So Candy was just like, okay, whatever. But now the song has made to Candy's estimate, roughly 80 to 100K. And you could tell she's feeling some type of way about that because of the work that she put in. And now Kim is wanting her to do another song, The Ring Didn't Mean a Thing, shall we? Whoa, 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 whoa. Nene Flinch. Um, <laughs> but like now Candy's wanting her to do more work. And I felt like the frustration that Candy felt with Kim was like bubbling to the surface all season. Oh, let's talk about Candy and Kim because... I felt like this feud with Candy and Kim was so emblematic of the issue that the women had with Kim on Atlanta. Everything Kim did became this great, funny joke. Candy is a legitimate, serious artist who did a favor for Kim and for Kim to just treat her as, oh, she's just the song bank I'm going to go back to when I need another hit to bank a bunch of money off of, and I'm not going to give any of the profits to Candy. Meanwhile, Candy is redefining herself as an artist. She's putting in the work. She is willing to put her life to the side so that she can have like this resurgence as this solo artist. And Kim is just tomfoolery wants one more hit so she can make more money and my housewife's theory on the ring didn't mean a thing which lol that the origin of that was jimmy fallon hilarious that was so funny i know he's like where am i it's it it was i was like oh my god that's first of all embarrassing and also didn't nini say something like he's a comedian that was so (laughs) funny to me but um i think that Candy wrote The Ring Didn't Mean a Thing with that little beat, which I'm not going to sing again because I can't wait to hear myself singing that back because she knew that it's extremely difficult to sing that even for Candy. So to give it to Kim, she was going to embarrass herself a little she bit. She wanted Kim. I don't know that she that was the goal, but I think that she definitely wanted Kim to put in work. Yes. She's like, if you're, we're going to do this again, you're going to have to work for it. Her also sending Kim back to Jan, I was like, oh, Candy just, I was like, she is sick and twisty this season, and I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jan, oh, that was Jan, so as good. we all remember, is the vocal coach that Kim worked with season one, and I actually really enjoyed Kim going back to her and just seeing like, the evolution of that. But that, she went to see her because Candy basically forced her. So Kim was going back to Candy, giving her negative feedback about the song, basically because Kim couldn't find a way to cheat her way through auto-tuning through the song. And she was going to Candy being like, I don't like this, basically fix it. And Candy's like, I'm not going to do anything unless you take this seriously. And she was talking around town. Yes. Another thing that made Candy mad is that Kim was being vocal about not liking the song and playing it for people behind Candy's back, which Candy just didn't think was cool. It's not. Yeah. God, Kim is so annoying this season. Kim was, I did not enjoy watching. You know, last season I was like, oh, she cracks me up. I didn't feel that this year. This year she felt like 
exploitative in a lot of ways to various people in her lives. Agreed. To various people in her life. Agreed. And I didn't have <laughs> lives. She has nine <laughs> of them. Pray for us all. She does. Um, but yeah, so I didn't, she wasn't my fave this season. I am grateful to her because uh, thanks to her, we got to meet one of my favorite people in the Bravo universe, Don Juan. Also known as Don Juanita. <laughs> So you love Don. I love Don. Okay, something about me. I don't really watch. Everyone's gonna hate me now. I don't have time. I'm sorry to watch Summer House or any of the other Bravo shows. It's not because I don't want to. I'm consumed with Housewives, and all I want to do is watch Housewives. But I love Candy so much, and I love her Empire that I will watch her spinoffs. And Don is featured in one of the later season spinoffs that Candy has. And I just think he's so funny. He is a, oh my God, the shade I'm getting. I love Don. How can you not love Don? Oh, we don't have enough time in the podcast <gasps> for me to tell you how I do not love Don Juanita. And I'm a little <laughs> upset that you're wasting our good podcast seconds <laughs> talking about him, but go ahead. Anyway, I don't need to get into it, but Don is a very like, you know, gives you the business. Actually, I can tell you why I do not like Don Juan. Go ahead. And this will just be a little sprinkle for later. But I do not like Don Juan for things that happen later and how I felt like he fanned some flames. And I didn't appreciate it. I think know? he put in the work. I don't remember what you're talking about, but I will you defend no <laughs> I will defend Don Juan. That's the thing you're gonna die time. on. Yes, I love him. Okay. Catching me regretting this. Um but let's talk about the tour bus. Oh, let's my. talk about Kim. Let's talk about the shows. You know who I thought you were going to say when you said, I'm grateful for Kim because they brought me this person only for me to be slapped in the face with Don Juan was I thought you were going to say sweetie. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> sweetie is so funny. Sweetie. I can't even do her voice. Okay. Let's backtrack. We got to, yeah, we got to backtrack. Let's talk about Kim. We're still, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about Kim, a little bit more about Candy and Kim here in a yes. moment, but let's go to Kim. Let's just go to Kim. Cause we're going to circle back to Candy, but Kim this season is in her bag, thanks to Tardy for the Party. She's not sharing those profits with Candy, as we talked about. Kim is also back with Big Papa, but not. And also, Kim is front page news because Kim is in a relationship with a woman named DJ Tracy. And uh, this is really one of the funnier... (laughs) moments of the <laughs> opening season um but uh she's basically dating this dj everyone is doubting it. everyone's like kim is not a lesbian or bisexual or someone who would have sex with a woman kim responds to this in her talk in her talk again moment so good i've been chasing dick since i came out of the womb so nini's not believing that i snaps went to the other side for a minute <laughs> went to the other side for a minute only a woman knows what a woman wants Clap for you. Incredible. <laughs> Just the sentence, I've been chasing dick since I came out the womb. I was like, that is the Kim we love and know. It is because there is only a few, but there are moments where Kim is like, yeah, I'm a joke. This is a joke. This is just a TV show. And she is self-deprecating in a funny way. Again, as the seasons go on, it's fewer and far between. But, you know, it is also buttoned with like comments from Nini and Sheree being like, Nini, 
do you really think she's into women? Sheree, well, she's never hit on me. <laughs> it's so, it's so, Classic again, Shrek. 2011, narrow-minded about sexuality. But that was, whole storyline was interesting, especially because we get to meet DJ Tracy. It's true. But also just know that when it comes to all these cities, particularly in Atlanta, there's always a gay panic. Like, again and again and it, again. Yes. There'll be some version of a gay or bisexual or lesbian panic. And it does get old, and we will always break it down. Yes. And it will always mean something to us. And uh, Sweetie, who we just mentioned earlier, is Kim's uh, part friend, part employee, per Kim's description. I've known her for 10 years. (laughs) And they seem to bring out the funnest, but also the worst in each other. They're definitely partners in crime, for sure. They're chain smoking, they're drinking, they're avoiding their responsibilities. Kim is talking to Sweetie all crazy, like, you need to encourage me, you need to tell me to run. They're like, have this like hilarious scene at the beginning of the season where they're running down the street trying to exercise, and then they see this (laughs) giant truck of beer pull into like a 7-Eleven. And Kim is wearing this like skin tight um, tank top (laughs) That's this like silver, like metallic looking thing. It looks like it looks like the type of material that you would wear if you wanted to sweat. Yes. <laughs> it's just clearly someone who does not work out. Yeah. And they see these men at uh, like unloading this beer across the street. And I think the gentleman yells and was like, come get a beer or something or something. So they run across four lanes of traffic. And then they get over there and the guy's like, sorry, he's working. He's like, I can't give you a beer. And it gives us this moment where they're trying to convince this man to give them a beer. And they're like, come on, love muffin, sugar plum, sweet baby (laughs) snickerdoodles. And they're alternating these names. Ultimately, he goes into the store and starts singing Tardy for the Party. And so he's clearly a fan. And then Kim makes Sweetie go into the store and get beers. And they come out and they're drinking them on the bench. And Kim says, so much for our run. I actually liked Sweetie and Kim until we get later into the season when it seems like Kim might be having financial issues. And, you know, this is before the tour bus, before all the music stuff. And she is having a giant, shall we say, yard sale in the parking lot of an Applebee's or something. And she is laying out $10,000 furniture, $12,000 clothes. Gucci baby shoes, all this stuff that's been sitting in her storage unit. She presumably made Sweetie organize, bring to the parking lot to sell, talk to people about it. Just clearly Sweetie's being overworked and the lines between like friend and employee are just kind of blurring and it's starting to seem a little bit toxic. Yeah, they have a, an odd dynamic. Yeah. And it's 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 just some people thrive off of that chaos and I do not, you know, and Same. that's what it felt like to me, which leads us to the tour bus. The tour bus, back to the tour bus. So as we mentioned, Candy and Kim have been working on music throughout the season. Kim on her song, Candy on her album, and Candy's wanting to promote that and thinks it would be great if Kim is her opening act. Leading up to this point, Candy has helped Kim perform <laughs> in front of 10,000 gays, allegedly. <laughs> and we're with Palm Springs. So, like, they've done, like, so they've been kind of performing together and doing that whole shtick. And they get onto this tour bus. And honestly, the tour bus was kind of the gift that kept giving oh my in God. terms of comedy because it had me cracking up. Just like the record scratch in Kim's face when she sees the <laughs> tour bus was hysterical. It's honestly, it's pure comedy. You know, those producers made her sleep on the tour bus or at least told her it would be better if you slept on the tour bus for the, and she's like, I'll do anything for the camera. So on this tour bus, there is maybe like 
eight bunk beds. On there is Derek J doing her hair. There is Sweetie being her assistant. There is Candy. There is Don Juan and the driver. And these bunk beds are super tiny. Kim and Sweetie are basically like middle school best friends. They're giggling the whole time. They're laughing. They're causing. And these people are like, we are on a tour bus on a legitimate music tour. You have to shut up. Kim, of course, has to be that person. We we all know the person at a sleepover who's like, I can't sleep here. I need to go sleep on the couch over there. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so she goes and she sleeps out on the couch. She makes Derek do her hair in the middle of the night. It's like, you don't have anything to do right now. She just seems like she was holding that entire tour bus hostage. For sure. And my favorite thing was one morning, Sweetie is looking at Candy as they're waking up and she's she sighs and she's like, get up, get up, get up. You sleep good. And Candy just stares at her and then says, look, I'm not a morning person, so I'd appreciate it if you don't talk to me. <laughs> relatable, 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 relatable. And honestly, the way that I wish that I could just speak to someone straight like that in the morning, oh my, it, it's, it was gold. I also loved, this is one of my favorite scenes that I forgot about. Kim is so desperate for a cigarette. So Kim is a chain smoker at this point. Sweetie also smokes. I don't know if it's as much as Kim. So they're making this bus pull over in the middle of nowhere so they can have smoke breaks per Don Juan, who's a drama queen, like every 30 minutes. And they're getting to places really late because they keep having to stop for smoke breaks. But at a certain point, they were like, we are not stopping for smoke breaks, Kim. So Kim pulls out like a Black & Decker pancake grill storage and she's like i wonder if this will work and she starts jamming her dry cigarette on top of the griddle and she's like it's not working it's not working and i was like oh my this woman is a mess a mess but the tour goes well like they do their performances and at a certain point kim has invited nini to join them and up until this point in the season kim and nini have been getting along pretty swell for kim and nini you know until moments before Nini arrives on the trip because Nini has been working at the local news station yeah. doing um, celebrity interviews and she's kind of, you know, about her bag, getting herself out there, working on her career. And she does a celebrity interview with Jermaine Dupree. And in this interview, she shades Kim. And mind you, this is airing on television, it's local news. And she asked him, she was like, something to the effect of, do you look for artists who are a little younger or can they be Kim's age? And just like, I do, I will side with Kim a little bit here. It was kind of out of nowhere. It was mean. Nini, Nini was, and Nini will even say like, the, she was like, the interview was going south. I saved it because I mentioned Kim. Like she knew what she was doing. So this puts a bad taste in Kim's mouth right as Nini is about to join them on the tour bus. So Nini is now on the tour bus and, you know, looking around and obviously this comes up. And not only does this come up, but Nini's also been observing how Kim, and she's been observing this all season, how Kim interacts with Sweetie. Mind you, Sweetie is a dark-skinned black woman. Kim, as white as they come, blonde, like very that. And Nini doesn't appreciate, and even Candy says this as well, the ways in which Kim talks to Sweetie. Not even necessarily, like, yes, talks to Sweetie as a black woman, but also, like, just as, like, a human. Yeah. Like, the way she bosses her around and whatnot. So when they start, when Nini and Kim start to argue, all of this comes to a head. And something that I do struggle with is from the career standpoint. Anytime... Nini and Kim start arguing. Nini kind of really discredits Kim yeah. and her singing or her music or in, in any way she can in that way. And it does, it, it goes back to like issues with them still not being resolved mm-hmm. and that animosity still being there. And it always comes back to that. And I'm like, y'all are never going to be proper friends if you can't work through that. 
and give each other respect. I think that's the big thing. They both know how to trigger the other person. And Nini knows the easiest thing that she can do is call Kim old, call her a cheater, talk about how she's not a real singer. And at this point, she starts picking on because this isn't really getting to Kim anymore because at the end of the day, Kim is winning. She's got the money in the bank. And Nini is sort of struggling at this point to make a name for herself. So Nini, who can sense the tension on the bus, so I don't really know why she contributed to this. And then Nini and Kim start arguing. And it's over something so benign, such as like Don Juan. Like Nini finds out that Don Juan and Sweetie are going to be staying in the house because they're oh my touring. God, that's right. And where they're they're ending up in Florida, I think, or yeah, somewhere. Yeah, Miami, I they're think. They're ending up in Miami where all the other ladies are meeting them so it's a cash trip and nini learns that don juan and sweetie are staying in the house and that was enough for her she was waiting for her moment much like with dwight ten thousand dollars she was waiting for this moment so she explodes at kim she lets her know that there are ways that you talk to a black woman and there are ways that you do not speak to a black woman or a sister as Mm -hmm. she says she also takes it a step further and starts picking on sweetie and well, yeah, she starts picking on Sweetie. She refers to Sweetie as Kim's slave. And that's obviously when it starts to escalate. Kim says, F you. Nini calls Kim a dumb blonde. Then Kim calls Nini a dumb bitch. And that's when Nini jumps up, gets in her face. Don Juanita and Candy have to separate. <laughs> have to separate it and sweetie and this is a huge topic of conversation because kim is obviously offended by the name obviously her calling sweetie a slave and she's also offended at this notion that she might be treating sweetie in a way that's unsavory in a moment i hated is when she's talking with sweetie and she's like basically breaching the subject like I don't treat you like a like a slave and she laughs it off and I was like it frustrated me so much because it was one of those things that even if sweetie did feel that way you Kim are someone who currently employs sweetie so like you're messing with her money if she doesn't work for you so a she's probably not going to be open as open with you as she already could be if you didn't control her coins and then though even from a friend point if you've been friends for 10 years to then also be like laughing it off when you're saying it to her like clearly you you don't think it's true so no. if sweetie felt some type of way she's probably not going to bring it up but also like i think something it all boils down to is you know it's up to sweetie to decide how she's willing to be treated in that friendship you know the employment is another thing but it's like sweetie didn't seem to have a problem with it she also left it off and it just speaks to their weird dynamic that i wouldn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole <laughs> I it's even hard to talk about it because it always it almost makes which is it clear see- as I just stumbled over everywhere you mm-hmm. didn't and I, I also am like I don't know how to do it better because we've all been in situations everyone who's listening to this podcast where we're like I wish that I was being treated better but I can't say anything because I have to make my rent and sweetie the issue there is she of course probably wanted to speak out and be like I can't stand when Kim does this and I call her out on that but with Kim she keeps things in the bank and she will remember if you said one slightly wrong thing toward her. So Sweetie could only say so much. And when they're in Miami, Kim is sitting with Sweetie out in the back, you know, away from the other women. She's just fighting with the women constantly in Miami. And she says something to her like, you would tell me as she's laughing, you would tell me if I treated you like like a slave or something. And then Sweetie, you can just tell she's really going through it. She's embarrassed, most importantly, and also angry that Nini would go out of her way to target her. And she was like, I call you out on your shit. You call me out on my shit. She just kind of tried to smooth it over. But the person I felt for the most in that was Sweetie. For sure. And this event sends Kim and Nini on a path, as you would assume, like, 
like their friendship isn't repaired this season because of all of this. No, and Kim wasn't helping things by talking about how, don't do this in my friend's house. Who, by the way, this person who owned the house, Thomas Kramer, jump scare. He's in Miami. He's a big part of the Miami (laughs) storyline. Not the jump scare. Not the jump. I was like, ooh, there he is. And she's like, he's so hot. He's so this. And I'm like, she just needed a man. And Kim, to her credit, did find herself she a man. She finds a man. I got to say, it was kind of cool to me to be able to see their first Agreed. meet. Their yes. meet cute on the show. Agreed. So this season at the charity event we were talking about earlier for Sheree, where she's dancing, another person is there dancing as well. And his name is Croy Bierman. Oh, and he seems so nice. So nice. Oh. And I mean, and Kim is Kim. The first thing she does, the first moment they talk is talk about his, quote, tight ass (laughs) i've never seen an ass like that i swear to god that's what i told everybody at least kim was herself when she first met him was and he he wanted it too like he he, did and they by the end of the season they started dating you could tell through filming when kim started to kind of pull away from the women because she was obsessed with croy Mm -hmm. and they were very clearly falling in love and you know we find out by the time the reunion comes around that miss kim is pregnant with his child so pregnant secured the bag also not (laughs) Croy being from Montana. Oh my God. You and the Montana thing. I forgot. Wait, who's the one? Was it Miss Joyce who said, Oh, look at him. He is corn fed. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. But I like that everyone was very welcoming to him and they were just like, Thank God this isn't like a married man named Big Papa. Yes. Okay. There's one wife that we haven't talked about. It's the other new wife on the scene. Who I also love. Cynthia. Miss Cynthia. It feels weird to say Cynthia and not Cynthia Bailey. I feel like it's just like we're missing something. (laughs) But uh, Miss Cynthia Bailey is a supermodel. And she is coming from New York. She is new to Atlanta. And she is living with her fiance, Peter Thomas. Peter Thomas is also a like restaurateur, businessman. It seems like they both kind of come from really rich past lives. And in Atlanta, they're trying to kind of make a go of it. Cynthia is doing modeling. Peter has his restaurant uptown. But at the same time that both of their careers dash businesses don't seem to be doing as well. So he gives her this ultimatum and is like, we have to get married. I do not want to get married after I turn 50. Mm. And Cynthia has never been married before, but she has been engaged three times. And quote, I can't think of a reason not to marry him, so that's good, right? How do we describe the dynamic between Peter and Cynthia? I don't know. It's... Cynthia, look, Cynthia kind of says something like, I love for a man to feel like they want to marry me. But for some reason, when we get to the part where they actually want to get married, I start to like freak out a little bit. It's a very, very deep-rooted issue that Cynthia seems to have, not just with Peter, but with all men. It's like a trust and an intimacy, but Peter and Cynthia are like night and day. They're very different people. Cynthia is very like kind and genuine, a little bit in the background, but she also will be in the front and center if she needs to be. Peter is in your face, loud, brash, Looking at them, they very much represent this kind of classic submissive and dominant personality type. Agree. That, like, obviously works well with each other to create this dynamic that they do have that is like a push and a pull at times. And it seemed like as the episodes went on this season, 
every single time there was something that came up with Peter and marriage, it was taking a little piece of Cynthia away. She was like withering before our very eyes, just her spirit. She looked so tired and run down and she just seemed like she had this like weight on her shoulders of like, I don't know how to break up with Peter and it's probably the right thing to do to marry him, but I don't know if I want, it was just so hard to watch. And at the same time, we find out that Cynthia has used some of her hard-earned coin and has put it in Peter's failing restaurant. And Peter has kind of been telling her this line of like, we're going to get the money back. We're going to use this money to get married. And this wedding is going to cost $1 million, maybe a little bit less than that, but a million, give or take. And so they're basically depending on this failing restaurant, which has been failing since episode one of this season, to give them what they needed. And as the season goes on, Cynthia and Peter are not doing well. Uptown closes. Mm -hmm. And you can tell Cynthia wants to call this off, but the invitations have already been sent, honey. The venue has already been booked. Yeah, and part of the issue is that he isn't really letting her in, you know? Like, he's not really keeping her updated on what's going on and he feels like when he does that she freaks out so they have a clear communication issue my thing with cynthia is like i fluctuate on her sometimes and this season i didn't she wasn't my favorite you know it's but it's hard to come on a show with another newbie such as phaedra who is just such a specific person and really takes the spotlight and cynthia is has a little is has more of a chill personality so she was always fighting an uphill battle and I think of the moment in the limo when there we first kind of see Phaedra and Cynthia together for the first time. And Phaedra's talking about how she needs a clean man, <laughs> a.k.a. a man who didn't have any children prior to so her being with her. So rude. And Peter, this was right after Peter is like, I have five children. And it's just a mess. And Cynthia, too. One thing I do think is that Cynthia cares deeply. So like we spoke about earlier, seeing her and Nini's friendship develop was really fun. And it brought out an infamous Cynthia moment where she presents Nini with a friend contract. <laughs> Bless her heart. And so when she's talking about it later, I get that she it was a joke, like meant to be a joke, but it just came off as like, this is this is interesting. The background to the friendship contract was, and this is one of my favorite parts of the season, Nini and Peter get along very well. Nini is not shy about sharing that she loves her some Peter. And the ladies never let her forget it either. No, she she has such a huge crush on Peter, probably because Peter is the only person on the entire show that can keep up with Nini and maybe challenge her. But anyway, it's very funny. Honestly, in a certain point in the season, I was like, do Peter and Nini want to have sex? (laughs) And then I was like, and more importantly, do I ship it? (laughs) I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But they do have a chemistry and a banter. It's because he's such a strong personality. Yeah. And she is as well. And when that clicks, it just clicks. But sometimes it doesn't click too, right? Sometimes it doesn't click, especially when Peter is expecting his doting fiance to be ready for him at night when he comes home from the restaurant with dinner. Lord. I know. I can't even get into that. But he was mad because Cynthia was constantly on the phone with Nini. Nini clearly like needed a friend. She, you know, I don't really know what was going on in her personal life. But Cynthia became a very close friend of hers very quickly. And Peter got really mad about that. And he spoke up against it with Nini. Nini got very defensive and probably embarrassed because he's like, she's like, I don't want it to seem like on the show, like I'm obsessed with talking to Cynthia every five seconds. And so... Peter basically makes a comment and then Nini doesn't speak to Cynthia for like three, four days or something, which was very unusual for them. And when Cynthia 
sees Nini again. You can tell the circles under her eyes, everything that's going on. It's not just Nini. You can tell that Cynthia is really upset about her friendship with Nini just like not doing well because she doesn't have a lot of friends in her life. So this friendship contract, I actually don't think it was a joke. I think she kind of meant it. I think she meant it as like, do you still like me? And then Nini, of course, was going to turn it into a moment. Look, I also cannot believe this friendship contract happened at the same time that Kim was getting her fat lasered upstairs while eating Domino's pizza. That iconic scene. You can't write it. No. It was, I remember those two scenes very clearly. Them happening at the same time on different floors of the same house. Only old housewives. Yes. And, you know, Nini does, she does tell Kim and Sheree about this friendship contract. And Kim, I feel like, is kind of the one who takes it and runs with it. Just And because, you know, I think Kim is protective of her relationship with Nini. So to know that someone else is coming on the scene and maybe threatening that. And she is honest. And this is a moment, and I love this, and I mention it because Cynthia gets her little clap back, which we'll see in later seasons. Like, Miss Cynthia can read when she wants to. Mm -hmm. But it's like Kim taking her to task over this friendship contract and some of the stuff that Cynthia put in there as a joke saying that, like, this is only null and void if one of us dies. Like, something like that. And Kim's, like, says it weirded her out a little bit. And in a confessional, granted it's not to the face, although she does stick up for herself to the face, but in a confessional, Cynthia's like, let's talk about being weirded out. Okay, Kim, I'm weirded out that you think you can sing. I'm weirded out that you wear a wig. I'm also weirded out that you had a full-on relationship with a married man. So, what's next? (laughs) Delicious. Oh, Cynthia has some good one You better drag her, Miss Cynthia. You better drag her wig and all, honey. She's so funny. Even her, because I think she was the one that hosted the Mother's Day brunch. Yeah. And when she started that episode, she was just in a really bad place. She walks downstairs and she goes, happy Mother's Day, whatever. (laughs) So she really, it was her first season. She gave us pretty much everything. Speaking of Mother's Day, I love her dynamic with Noelle. Oh, me too. Noelle is her daughter who's like probably like what, 10 to 12, somewhere around there. Uh, Her daughter with Leon, who we also see. I know Leon and Noelle's dynamic is amazing. And that family is just a family that really functions and they really prioritize their daughter. And it's just so beautiful. Like one of my favorite moments was right before it's the finale. It's Cynthia's wedding day. And she takes the time to sit down with Noelle before her wedding and just talk about how Noelle is always going to be her number one. And it was just so sweet. And I loved it so much. It was sweet. But I'm sorry. Cynthia was blackout drunk in that scene. Oh, my God. Go back and watch really? it again. Because remember, she was saying that, I think it was an accident. I don't think she was like trying to be. But I think she definitely meant to talk to her no matter what. But she was so stressed out. She was downing glasses of champagne and not eating. And she hadn't been sleeping. When she was talking to her, I remember that being so sweet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this scene. And then I'm like, she's wasted. Because she was having such a bad wedding date. Should we talk about the wedding? We should. But I want to say, whether she was drunk or not, the sentiment was still there. Oh, and my I gosh, yes. It. And, you know, she meant it. But I was like, oh, no, someone get her a sandwich. I was this just like, This wedding was a mess. This This wedding was a mess. I Okay, one little thing. I was like, Cynthia is only seeing her wedding dress three hours before the wedding. And I was like, she's so unserious. (laughs) Cracked me up. I was like, she does not want, like, she if she makes it down the aisle, it'll be a miracle. But also, like, Allison, you and I have been to many a wedding Mm -hmm. for people who are close with us, for people who are less close, but, Mm -hmm. like, different vibes. The sadness surrounding this woman getting married the, all People the sobbing tears, left and right. I was like, mom, this is sister, not good. Cynthia made a comment about she's never seen her sister cry really, and 
Her sister, Mal, was begging her to not do this. Either don't get married or delay the wedding because she you can tell they're best friends. They know each other so well. And her mom, And too. her mom. Her mom straight up said, I just feel like you're being abused financially. And it was just the day of the wedding. I felt really bad for Cynthia that everyone waited to kind of tell her that. I'm sure they said it in different iterations leading up to the wedding day, but Cynthia was crying sad tears her entire wedding day. She did not have one happy moment except for that moment with Noelle, of course. And she had a sweet moment with her mom, which I'll talk about later. But it was really sad. And even people were talking about the bridesmaids walking down the aisle. Everyone looked like they were walking down to like see a casket. It was like a funeral, not a wedding. And she couldn't find her marriage. Was it her marriage certificate? She had left her marriage certificate at home. Peter did not buy the wedding bands. Peter himself was wasted on his wedding oh, day yeah. and late. I noticed he was wasted for And sure. he said that. He leaned into the event coordinator's ear and he was like, I'm effed up or something like that. And I was like, Peter, but, you're on camera. But yeah, Cynthia's family did not want to get married so much that her mom and her sister literally debated whether they were going to give her her marriage certificate or not like that's the level we were at but what i will say they do get married she makes it down the long staircase (laughs) and the aisle looks perfect and what i will say to give credit to the editors for this it was a perfect edited moment because their score is playing it's nervous we're like is cynthia gonna show up who's to say and then suddenly the score cuts. We're, ha- we're on a shot of Peter. He looks up to where Cynthia will be coming, and it's silent. And he just says, wow. And then the wedding score starts as we see Cynthia at the top of the stairs. I was like, oh, come on, Bravo editors. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. They are so good. We need They're to start, good. like, a shout-out to Bravo editors' They're, Instagram they page. Good. It's And they only get better. They only get better. And Peter, too, like... I was having so many mixed feelings about Peter. He was making me laugh more than I remember. But, you know, he was also, I mean, I would argue maybe financially abusing her and also pushing her into a corner she didn't want to be in. But that moment when she was walking down the aisle, he was so emotional. Aside of him, you can tell he doesn't really show in public. It was really sweet, you know? Peter's interesting, like... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Peter. I don't know that he's my favorite. I Well, I'll be honest. I do think he's kind of cute. He's just this, like, handsome, dark-skinned black man. And I feel like on the shows, like, we don't have that representation a lot. Totally. Like, there's something about him that I'm just like, mm. And I think Nini said it best when they got engaged. She was like, mm, black love. Like, and I do love that. <laughs> yeah. And But Peter, I don't know. Like, the fact that he always stays in women's business. Like, when he kind of came for Nini at the Mother's Day brunch. Yeah. Making side comments. And I'm like, oh, Peter. So I remembered that. But enough about Peter. Um, And those are our ladies for the season. What a season it was. And what a bunch of ladies. All of them, whether we love them or (laughs) do not love them, are staples. They were so good. Even Sheree. They gave... Only because she's an OG. She is, yes. They gave to their own storylines, perhaps not the general storyline, but we have to give them all credit for showing up, except for Sheree. It's not... (laughs) Should we talk about the reunion? Yeah, let's talk about the reunion. Okay. There are just a few things that I think are worth noting about the reunion. We already mentioned one, and that's Kim being pregnant. Yes. Um, Another was kind of touching on the Phaedra and Nini of it all. At this point, Phaedra's obviously been able to see all the comments, (laughs) all the shade that Nini has been throwing her way. So the discussion is, do Phaedra and Nini know each other? And... Nini insists that they do not know each other. And she's like, you know, she's talking about how she just turned 43. She was older. Or Phaedra's like, she was older than me. Nini's like, I just turned 43, to be exact. Phaedra's like, eh. And Nini's like, 
actually no i i just <laughs> it's just one of these phaedra things where yeah. like she will spin the truth if she can actually i just turned 43 and then phaedra's like congratulations happy birthday and, <laughs> and you know brought up the fact that nini saying that bobby brown was so 10 years ago and then phaedra's like google me she was like your claim to fame is this show honey i'm pre-housewives when i was with bobby brown you were calling me then and nini was like i called you to talk about doing a tv show and phaedra said but you don't know me though you knew me well enough to call me and i was just like oh she got her there i think they just had different definitions of what it meant to know someone i don't i think that nini was thinking that she could railroad phaedra she was like there is no way that this woman is gonna look like this good of a housewife this season nini knew that she called her i think nini was like deny 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 what she did not anticipate was miss phaedra is an attorney and she can argue okay so don't come for phaedra when she has the receipts and i really think that she thought she could get away with just talking over phaedra and making fun of her and pinning things on the ex-con and she's full of shit and she lied about her due date but really not many people can bring phaedra down i think what it was for me is that nini knew who phaedra was marginally and phaedra knew who nini was like they went to a small town two high schools although i'm like y'all don't know a small town until you go to where i came from <laughs> which was one high school and one middle school in the same building oh no um, way exactly like i come from a very small town but like i think they just i i think they had different definitions of what it meant to know each other something else in this reunion, I'm really glad that Cynthia brought up the women making fun of her as she was walking down the runway. One of the things that happened during the Miami portion of this season was Cynthia was walking down the runway like a bikini bathing suit type runway show. Looking incredible. Unbelievable. She's in her 40s, right? And even regardless of what her age is, she looks incredible and the women are making fun of her i think that even my favorite phaedra called her like a pretzel dipped in cottage cheese or something what does that even mean no and it's also not accurate anyone who saw her would be like oh i'm seething with jealousy she looked incredible i think almost none of the women paid her a compliment at least what we saw on camera and cynthia said something like i would like to see these women walking down a runway in a bikini i loved it and i'm glad cynthia got a little moment because i think that the women were really hard on her and she was having a really harsh season it's one thing to be hard on phaedra cynthia was having a really hard time and broke down in front of the women a couple of times too so i'm glad she had her little moment i thought she looked incredible and she secured the second season for me i gotta say for in the reunion a moment that I love is one little line from Kim, and it's probably the line that I quote the most from her to some of my close friends when I'm tormenting them. I don't see color, and I never have. Oh. <laughs> I have one friend in particular. I give her such a hard time, and I'm like, this is your slogan. She's a white woman. We, oh. we love her. But she's like, I don't see color, and I never have. It cracks me up. It's so ridiculous, and it's her little southern twang on it. It's just like, why do you think that that's a good thing to say, a good thing to add? I, it's confusing. I feel like a lot of the time, whether you're on the right side or the wrong side of history, Kim will jump to the wrong side. <laughs> she will leap. Skip. She will gallop. Yes. <laughs> so also a cool thing in the reunion, I thought, is finally getting a little tiny admission from Miss Phaedra Parks when Andy is taking her to task about like, so when were you married? And so were you pregnant when you got, like he kept pushing it and her finally being like, yeah, I might've been a month, a month and a half pregnant when I got married. And I was like, there we go. Thank you. But I understood what she said of it. Being, she should have just owned it sooner of being like, y'all, yeah, my mom is super religious. Like yeah. let's quit talking about it. She could have stopped it so soon. Am I grateful she didn't? Cause we got some delightful yes. quips and banter, but it's like, I'm glad I guess that she finally said it. Agreed. 
agree. Although it really isn't anyone else's business, but no. you know, you are on a show about your life, so whatever. Um, I feel like other than Phaedra um, purchasing a funeral home, and uh, <laughs> because those clients don't complain, the other big moment that I feel like came from the union is the Kim Candy drama. And Candy really expressing her hurt in the dynamic that Candy deserves to make a thousand, three thousand dollars off a song, and Kim gets to make eighty. And I felt bad for Candy because you could tell that she did view Kim as a friend, and that this was kind of getting in the way of that. And Kim just can't see past her weave sometimes to realize, or, <laughs> you know, that like she is doing this, or she doesn't care. You know, I think she doesn't care. I think she knows. I think that she is smarter than she comes off. Not much, but she is. And I think she's very conniving. And I think she knows exactly what she did. I love her being like, my lawyer, my lawyer. You tell your lawyer what you need them to do. Yeah. It's not like your lawyer has like its own. It's there's Your lawyer speaks on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the reunion. Should we talk about? Underrated moments? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. My first underrated moment. I know we're both going to have this. I already know what you're going to say. So just say it with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a better no. housewife scene there isn't there, so I don't good. even have to finish the sentence so you do good. not even have to that is fresh corn ah oh, we'll be shucking and frying <laughs> we could make some peach jam and some preserves mm-hmm. Also, just like a Phaedra at the top of the landing, like Rapunzel, like <laughs> let down your hair, holding the baby, her mom at the bottom of the stairs. Dwight, if I had a friend who shipped me crates of peaches and corn for life. For, life, for life. For life. Donate, was... don- donate but bone marrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here, take my kidney. <laughs> One of them. I still have another. Um, but yeah, so I, yes, 100%. It, d- I watched it earlier today like three times, oh, cracking up. So funny. I really love Phaedra's mom, uh, Miss Regina. And I just, I think we see more of her. But I think that this season we really got to see her personality and she just reminds me of family. I just love her. She was delightful. Okay, yeah. since we both had that one, do another one. Okay, my next one is short but sweet. <laughs> it was one of my biggest laugh moments. It was during Candy Coated Nights, and it was the episode where Candy invited all the women to join her to talk about their freak number. And Nini's like, "Oh no, I'm you know I don't do anything. I just like to receive whatever." And then Candy's. <laughs> I think she asks Kim, like, have you ever peed on anyone? And Nini is going to die. And she goes, Candy, you peeing on folks? (laughs) (laughs) She was so funny. So funny. That was so funny. Oh, my God. That was was a good one. Okay. One of my favorite underrated moments is more of a sentimental moment. Oh, okay. A character moment, if you will. It was Nini's last scene of the season. So Nini and Dwight have had this drama all season and they, you know, had a moment where Nini cried it out and they hugged and Dwight apologized early in the season. But now they're seeing each other at Cynthia's wedding and Dwight pulls her to the side and they just have a little friendship moment. And in this moment, he asked her to dance, so they start dancing. And I was like, do I care about Dwight and Nini's friendship more than I do Nini and Kim's? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because her yes. dancing with Dwight on the dance floor at this wedding, in her confessional, talking about getting her happy back, I was like, this is giving Julia Roberts at the end of My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, it Julia is. Julia Roberts at a wedding in a lavender gown, dancing with her gay best friend. 
gave me everything. And Nini was giving me that, and it delighted me to my core. It is so my best friend's wedding. I've never thought about that. Uh, I loved it. It was nice, and I was like, I wish this happened earlier in the season, but it was a really good season closer. It was a perfect ender for her. It really was. My next one is also like a touching, more sentimental moment. I kind of talked about it earlier, but it was Cynthia on her wedding day having an emotional breakdown, struggling with her decision of whether or not to marry Peter. And she goes to, I think, the local playground that's near their house to talk to her with her mom and her mom you know tells her her honest opinion they go back and forth but she basically says I'll support you no matter what and then while they're walking away we just hear the voiceover I'm literally gonna cry and she's like you know you're my best friend to Cynthia and I was like oh my god that's why Cynthia is such a sweet sweet person because she has this sweet sweet mom and this is after we find out that she was not going to make the money like the like minimum for like the bar at the venue and she literally didn't have three thousand dollars to do that and her mom jumped in and of course paid for it and it just it was so great it makes me excited to see more of cynthia and her family in the future i love that Okay, I'm going to cheat and sneak a couple into a few. Do it, do it. So the theme of my next underrated moment is Aiden. A, the cutest housewife's (laughs) child in the world. Honestly, he actually is probably the cutest in the entire world. It's undisputed. Yeah, there's not. I can't think of a cuter child. Come on. Thank you, next. Um, So (laughs) he has three little moments. One is when he's first born. So this isn't a him moment. It's more of a Phaedra moment. I literally teared up at this baby being born. First of all, this is not our first housewife baby, but this is the first housewife's baby that we are actually seeing being born. Like, because with Teresa, we were outside of the room so we could hear it, but Phaedra had a C-section. So we literally saw Aiden be born. And it was so funny to me. I had tears. But then when they showed Phaedra Aiden at over the little like <laughs> curtain thing, and she just goes, oh, gross. <laughs> And then also not her saying the first time she looked at him, he just looked Chinese to me, but I knew it was my baby because nobody else was in the operating room. <laughs> Classic. Like I, when we talk about how odd Phaedra can be and saying things that are so just like girl, but like also so funny. That's a Phaedra moment. It's so like, she's not just a Southern belle. She is also so funny. So weird. I also loved and really can relate to her being very much a career woman and not necessarily having that like, maternal side or being like what do you mean I have to do this what do you mean I have to get when she talks about getting I have to get penis ointment for him like that (laughs) the whole everything with Aiden and her children in the future if Phaedra could be pregnant every episode I would thank you that's what we need I agree with you completely so the other Aiden moment I'm sneaking in here is him (laughs) throwing up on Cynthia and it was (laughs) so funny to me because it's after all of the alien baby are you talking about my baby drama happens so with Cynthia and Kim so in my head after Aiden threw up on her that was his little way of saying that's what you and Wig get for talking about me (laughs) Wig (laughs) oh so good little Aiden Um, another one that I have has to do with Candy and Kim and there is a lot of emotional back and forth with this I really just get like a pit in my stomach thinking about everything that Candy went through but one of the great lines that Candy had in regards to the situation was Kim can say whatever she wants about the track but Raise your hand if you have a Grammy. Oh, <laughs> loved. Did she lie? No. Did she lie? Did she flex? Yes. <laughs> so good. I thought you were going to talk about Kim rolling up in her yellow Lamborghini with a limo full of luggage behind her and Candy just shaking her head and being like, Kim has one single and she's acting like Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, my last one, also two and one. It's a themed one. And the theme for this one is Mama Joyce. Oh. 
So I really loved, so something that happened this season, just a little storyline for Candy was touching on Riley's dad and him wanting to be a part of Riley's life and Riley's resistance to that. And she's having a moment, Candy's having a moment with her mom, Mama Joyce, talking about how, and I just, this chokes me up because it just makes me think of my mom and my grandmother, my Mima, and just like the bond I had with them. And Candy's upset that Riley's dad hasn't been in the picture and it still frustrates her to this day. And Mama Joyce goes, Riley's got a strong mama and she's got a very strong grandmama and we are there for her and she's going to be all right. Oh. Oh, I literally have chills. It's so good. And a lot of Mama Joyce's stuff last season was so like, it seemed on camera negative and telling Candy not to do things. So I loved seeing the side of Mama Joyce. And never for a minute do you doubt that she has, like, even though she's tough on Candy, she has Candy's back. She will always have Riley's back. Those are her babies, honey. <laughs> Another Mama Joyce moment, same episode. Mama Joyce was just getting her airtime. Yes. Was at the Mother's Day brunch, which honestly, we don't usually do this saying what our favorite episode of the season was. Yeah. Mother's Day brunch episode was my favorite of the season. Wow. It was just so great. And it just had such fun stuff, funny stuff with Phaedra and moments like this where Nini is talking about what she's gone through and Mama Joyce chooses to take a moment to connect and talking about her own regrets. And Nini, it's Mother's Day. Her mother isn't alive. And it was this moment where Nini's been having this really hard time and Mama Joyce could see that. And Mama Joyce, for that moment, was like, Aww. I'm going to be your surrogate mother and I'm going to help you through what you're going through and talk you through it. And you, Nini teared up. They hugged. You could tell that in that moment, Mama Joyce was like, this is a woman who needs a mom right now. So for this next few seconds, that's my baby. And I am so proud, honey. Like, it gave me that. And I, I felt I felt a lot of things. It's That moment is why Atlanta is so good. Yeah. It's there. It, everyone knows Atlanta is so funny and Atlanta brings the drama. But that heart is why Atlanta is so good. Yeah. My last one um, is also a very, very um, touching moment. It has to do with a woman named Spark. Spark, the photographer, and a moment that can't not be discussed this season, and that is Phaedra, Apollo, and the pickle. <laughs> so Phaedra decides that she wants to have the unique maternity shoot when she's in her eighth or ninth month. No one, who's to say, frankly, uh, of pregnancy. According to her four months, probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's like my first trimester. And she decides that she would like... Apollo from behind on a staircase oh, oh, oh. to feed her a very, very large pickle. You painted a phallic picture. I, I know what you did. And that's what it was. <laughs> and so he's feeding it to her while watching her. And Spark, the photographer, is like, okay, because this wasn't her idea. This was Phaedra's <laughs> idea. And I would like to say she saw it on Pinterest, but I don't even think Pinterest was popping off at that moment. So I do not know. So then Phaedra starts to feed it back to Apollo. And the photographer says to her, you can suck it. You don't have to chew it. <laughs> Girl. I can't. And that whole photo shoot, what I would do to have a framed photo of that <laughs> in my home. I have a magnet on my refrigerator. I, yes. And I know that uh, Who Gonna Sketch Me Boo has a sketch and a print of this on their website. So I am definitely going to be purchasing that. It literally just entered my mind. And it's really one of the great moments of season three, in my opinion. <laughs> Okay. Awards. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, awards. Um, Who was your center peach this season? I feel like this was 
Nini season. My center peach was Nini. Wow. Okay. She really took us through it. Like she really, it was Nini season. As you said earlier, this was a season that didn't have a lot of like interwoven drama stuff. So in terms of personal story and carrying it in that way, like Nini jumps out to the front for me. I know. I want to say Phaedra just because she was so in everyone's storylines this season or lack thereof. But you're right. Nini was really the one driving the story and bringing people together. So I'm going to give it to Nini too. But who is your people's princess? I mean, what if I didn't say Miss Phaedra Parks? Then you'd be wrong. It's Miss Phaedra Parks. Oh, I thought you were going to say Don Juanita. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Is it rude to call him Don Juanita also? I don't know. I've never heard it. I don't remember I've people seen it saying on the that. Internet. Oh, okay. Then that's I'll fine. I'll research it. Um, Phaedra Parks, absolutely 100% also my people's princess. Like, how could she not be? How could she not be? Who's your villain? Do you want to say it on three? One, two, Cam. Cam. Oh, I also hate saying on three. Normally I'm after three, but I rolled with that. Because okay. I could tell what you were doing. Okay, okay. Uh, Cam, absolutely Cam. Come on. I don't see color and I never have. Pay candy. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> Okay, Xavier, I want you to picture this. Okay. You're in the Bravo offices. Oh, she's taking the reins this episode. Okay. I'm in the Bravo offices, yes. You're tired. Ain't that the truth. You have started to dip into your office whiskey, or in your case, office apple cider. I'm not going to speak for you on the whiskey front. And you're sitting there and you're like, I really just want to go home. Do I have any more meetings? Where is my assistant? Someone get my assistant on the intercom. Sweetie. <laughs> You hit the button. You say, bring me the headshots. An assistant scurries in and says, can I get you anything else? Mr. Sinnott. <laughs> I, I'm leave, I quit, okay. actually. Two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they say to you, we need you to take a look at the headshots and we need you to make some decisions. You lay them out on your desk. So we need you to decide who is hired and who is tired. I don't know why I gasped. <laughs> okay. Nini. Hired. hired. Kim, hired. Sheree, tired. tired. I, you know, I hate to let an OG go, but I just, at this, knowing what we have to work with here, I would probably, yeah, I'd like, we can get some fresh blood in here. I am fine with it. I have no loyalties to Sheree at this point. Candy, hired. hired. Phaedra, hired. Capital H, hired. <laughs> Cynthia, hired. Hired, But wow. barely. Yeah. She, you know, and she, this is where I'm invoking my, I like a freshman housewife to get a sophomore season clause to see what she can bring. But she, I, Cynthia didn't bring a lot to the table for me personally, but I would still say hired because I would want to see what she'd be able to do with a year two. It's hard to divorce what we know. Interesting word choice I just used. It's hard to divorce what we know about her in the future seasons and now. So I'm saying hired, but I'm also mixing her up. And I remember not really loving her her first season, but. That's fair. That's our <sighs> cast. Then. That's our Everyone cast. but Sheree. Everyone but Sheree. Okay, y'all. Next week's episode is the season one finale of the Housewives Theory podcast. Oh, my God. And, did it. you know, because season one is every Housewife season that premiered from 2006 to 2010. So next week we are finishing it up with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season one. 
one. Xavier is quivering. My colon is quivering. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. Beverly Hills is my favorite franchise. It's my number one. It's my old faithful for better or worse. And I cannot wait to break it down. And I have never rewatched Beverly Hills. So this is going to be a very new experience for me too. And if you'd like to follow us on socials, you can follow us on Instagram at Housewives Theory or on Twitter at HW Theory. And let us know your hot takes because we would love to hear them. I can't wait. But until then. And and now now we've said said it. it. Bye. Bye. Bye.